Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. I love this service because we get to celebrate the real meaning of Christmas. And to conclude the night before we sing Silent Night, uh, to bring us a small greeting and message, I'd like to present to you uh, Dr. Rice Brooks, the bishop of our church. Come on, you looking clean. I got a mic. I got a mic. Strong. So in the spirit of what you just did, okay, you can stand there while I ask this question. You can help me direct traffic. Okay. Now, when I ask a question, just like Pastor James, sometimes kids will just raise their hand before they hear the whole question. So we're going to wait. You're going to help me identify. Okay. Wait till the whole question. I got two questions for you. All right. So number one, how many of you, without a doubt, have ever had an undeniable answered prayer? Let me see your hand. Where your prayers have been answered. And you know that it was not coincidence. It was just, all right. All right. Second question. How many of you have ever had a physical miracle happen to you or to someone that you know? Uh, and I would almost qualify it even more to say that it was verified. It was something that doctors or someone else corroborated and said, yes, this happened. This was beyond medical science's ability to answer that. If you've had something like that to you or to someone you know, let me see your hand. Okay, keep them up for just a minute. All right, now just look around a minute. So, if you want to just, why don't you go, go back on that chair where you were. I like that chair. Bring it out here in case I need your help. Just like those people with the books of the Bible, I might need your help. All right, you can put them down. Now, the, the story of Christmas is a miracle story. And I think that in this generation, that the, not, the, the idea of miracles is somehow especially among kind of the masses, is, is something that they hope is true, but deep down they're not sure. And maybe they think it's just something that's, there's so much, so much hype and so many people that say, oh, this happened, it was, you know, false advertising or some kind of sleight of hand. But I have a friend that actually compiled, he was, he's, a, he's an academician from uh, Asbury Seminary, Craig Keener, uh, Pastor Dave, who taught at Asbury would know about this man and was friends with this man. He actually began to do this research and compiled, I want you to put this up, a two-volume set of books called Miracles. And this is a compilation. Uh, it's coming up any moment. Compilation. There we go. Two volumes. I wanted to have them in person, but I just thought you'd see them better like this. Just hold it for a minute. Now this, these, this is a two-volume set of Miracles that have happened in this probably the last uh, 50 to 60 years. MRI scans, uh, all the documents that kind of verify as much as you can beyond a shadow of a doubt that something like this happened. Now, this kind of thing, not only does it verify the New Testament accounts, but it begins to build our faith that this story that we're a part of is not just a fairy tale. It's not just once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away. We've actually had two medical doctors in this church. One, many of you know and love Dr. Ming Wang, 
And Dr. Wang came to our church 20 years ago because someone in his clinic, someone who had been treated by him, actually had a, a miracle, a physical miracle, a degenerative eye disease that Ming said, this does not reverse, but it reversed. And Ming stood on our stage, not here, but in the old sanctuary, and told this story, and Ming never left. And he travels, not only does he continue to work in his medical practice, but he travels with us many times to college campuses. There was another doctor, Bill Leone, and I told him I was going to mention him tonight, Bill Leone, who um, called me up one day and said, there's a woman here that she has stage four esophageal cancer, and they've given up on her, but I just think we should, we should pray. I think God's going to do something. Now, when you hear a medical doctor telling you that, you want to respond to that. Just like somebody came and said, uh, come with me, and you see Jesus always following someone who said, come and help. And so, you know, as, as ministers or as believers, we should be ready to do the same. And so over 10 years later, she's still alive. She's still thriving. A physical miracle, and I texted him today to verify it. He said, no, he's just an absolute miracle. They had given her up. And so our story is not beyond uh, reason. Miracles not only happen, but that's the, the virgin birth. When we hear the scriptures talking about uh, the virgin birth, immediately people dismiss this. as, oh, no, that, That's not going to happen. That's, that's it's kind of like one of the great uh, skeptics of this past uh, generation, a, a generation, many generations ago, but his, his lessons and his philosophy continue is a man named David Hume, uh, a Scottish philosopher who basically said miracles don't happen because miracles uh, are not the best explanation of something and any far-fetched natural explanation is better than any supernatural explanation. So he said miracles don't happen because miracles aren't the most likely explanation. C.S. Lewis, many of you know that name, C.S. Lewis kind of countered that and said this, uh, it's not that miracles, as Hume would go on to suggest, are a violation of the laws of nature. He said the laws of nature show us what is the normal course of events so that if something unusual happens, we know a miracle took place. That's what by definition a miracle is. It's not violating the laws of nature. It shows that something has happened that is not according to that something that has kind of intervened or something beyond the laws of nature. Lewis would give the example, he'd say, you know, if I go back to my hotel room and I've put money in the drawer and I open it up and the money is gone, he says, I don't think that, you know, that the laws of arithmetic have been broken. He said, the laws of England have been broken. Somebody stuck their hand into the drawer and took the money out. And that's what we have in Christianity. We have evidence uh, just because we, you know, we understand how babies are born. People back then knew how babies were born. And yet when God spoke to Mary and said, this is going to happen, even Joseph, it says, her husband, her husband who she was engaged to said, you know, when she told him the story, he knows how this happens. He goes, but it says he wanted to put her away quietly. And then God speaks to him in a dream and says, this is from me. How did it happen? You know, when a, when the, the, the cell that impregnates, its, that impregnates a woman is less than half the size of a grain of sand. And it says that basically the Word of God, God spoke and that Word was implanted into Mary's womb. 
And then nine months later, the baby came. You see, it was the intervention from beyond the natural world. And then the natural course of events took place. And the word became flesh. But Mary asked the question to the angel who brought that news, how can this be? And that's really the refrain that all of us have whenever there's something that we're faced with that's beyond our own abilities or where we might need a miracle. How can this be? There's a friend of mine named Gary Habermas, and Gary was losing his faith in the 1970s at Michigan State University, and he actually called his mother up and said, I I think I'm going to become a Buddhist. And then he read in the Bible that if Christ had not been raised from the dead, it says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is in vain. In other words, Christianity stands or falls on a miracle, whether Christ was physically raised from the dead. Not only did the prophets foretell that Jesus would be born miraculously, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, but the prophets foretold of his death and resurrection. Not just somebody who just appeared and all of these things were just self-claimed or kind of these miraculous outlandish claims on the spot. Hundreds of years before, prophets like Isaiah spoke ahead or Micah spoke ahead and said this will happen. So Christ came onto the scene announced foretold that in itself a miracle but not just his birth but his death in fact it's a little bit of irony that his death and his miraculous resurrection would be one of the main evidences that the virgin birth was not only plausible but that happened because that in itself again is a miracle God intervening and breaking the power of death something that every single person knows is inescapable besides taxes so Gary was losing his faith and so he went to his doctoral committee and he said he said I want to write my dissertation on the resurrection of Jesus and the doctoral committee looked at looked at him and said okay you can do it on one condition don't just say Jesus was raised from the dead because the Bible says so and he said how long does it have to be how long does my dissertation have to be they said at least 200 pages it ended up being 350 pages and Habermas came up with what he called the minimal facts what are the facts of history that even skeptics acknowledge are true that Jesus was crucified and that that crucifixion was done at the hands of the people in history that were the best at killing you because no one ever survived a Roman crucifixion so this is not like Princess Bride where you know well he's mostly dead no he was unequivocally undeniably dead and secondly his tomb was found empty thirdly the the apostles thought that or at least skeptics will acknowledge they thought they saw him alive maybe it was kind of like at the you know a, a hallucination or at the end of Star Wars where you have the force ghost and there's Obi-Wan and Yoda maybe something like that with Jesus appearing to the disciples but yet Christianity started in the very place where it would have been easiest to disprove three days after that crucifixion and now he's alive See, many people like most of the apostles at least five that we know of died a martyr's death rather than deny that Jesus had been raised from the dead now many people in our generation will die for what they believe to be true but no one dies for what they know to be false and they would have known that 
I got probably one of the best Christmas gifts just a couple of days ago. I want you to put this up. This is from Gary. And I mentioned that his dissertation was 350 pages. He sent me this. This is his volume one, 1,000 pages of evidences of the resurrection. And will end up being 4,000 pages. Have to sneak in a little, next slide, sneak in a little note on the, se on the second slide there where he actually signed it. In, and if you see that, it says copy number four. So I got the fourth copy of that. But again, we come to this place having this backdrop of a miraculous Savior, born miraculously, raised from the dead miraculously. And then we walk with Jesus through the New Testament. And it's just miracle after miracle. In fact, there's one time where he's healing people and walking on water and all these different things. And after the, you know, all you can eat dinners, you know, all of this. And then these people come up to him and say, we want a sign. And I'm looking back through the pages of the New Testament going, you just got chapters filled with signs. You see, if you have unbelief, no amount of signs will ever be enough. It'll just be like a magician doing a trick. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And they kept coming to him and saying, I know you did this before, but if you don't do it now, then I'm going to dismiss everything you did in the past. And there's something about Jesus, if you study him and, and, and see his biographies in the, in, the, in the spirit of this, he's very secure. He's the only one that could perform a miracle and then look at the person who he helped and say, don't tell anybody. I mean, if it had been me that had done that, I'd have probably said, that's Rice Brooks, Bethel, here's my website, here, you know. We have such a tendency to make sure that nobody misses our part in this thing that just happened in there. But Jesus would say, don't tell anyone. Very secure. People have been trying to get God to prove he's God for centuries, and he's very secure in who he is. And so the question for us in this moment, when we hear and see these miracles and the opportunities for miracles... Where Jesus is basically saying throughout the Gospels, whoever, whosoever will, just like whosoever believes in him will have eternal life, there are also other whosoevers. Whosoever asks in faith will receive. And so we come to this place when we're faced with impossibilities. And this room is filled with people, not only that are facing an impossibility, but you know somebody that's heavy on your heart tonight that's facing an impossibility around the world our little bubble of Brentwood and Franklin and Antioch and and Bellevue and all of these places and obviously Nashville uh, sometimes we're kind of sequestered from the broader just craziness that's out there but it's there and the world cries out for miracles and yet we respond even in a place like this with the same way Mary or the same way Mary did and said how can this be how do miracles happen I think the first thing is to realize is that none of us deserve them. Anybody in this room tonight that's had anything happen to them, you'll find that it's probably at the place in your life when you least deserved it. When you were most desperate, you were most humble. Uh, it's funny how that I've, I've heard miracle stories from people that had no religion, no background, uh, you know, actually would, would just... You know, when they got up to give their testimony of how God helped them, they'd probably cuss right after the story. That's how fresh they were. Jesus uh, helped a woman who, when he approached her, she said, 
she was kind of questioning going back and forth and Jesus said go get your husband she said I don't have a husband he said you're right you've had five husbands and the one you're living with now is not your husband and she said I perceive you're a prophet and after just a little information she goes straight into a city and the whole city of Samaria comes back to hear Jesus this woman, you know, there's no evidence that we would, we have the woman had to kind of like what we would do. She diverted to some, you know, program and counseling and then she had to, you know, make sure that she was verified and vetted and she was all religiously clean. She went straight from the presence of Jesus into changing a whole city. You see, you can't tell God who he's going to use and you can't tell him whose prayers he's going to answer. So it starts by understanding we don't deserve it. Secondly, it's always, con it's always a this little word called faith involved. In fact, the faith that people expressed in the Bible was from people that were the least likely that should have had faith. And that's why this Roman centurion who sent his messenger to Jesus and said, come and help my servant. He's He's sick at the point of death, and Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. He said, and the messenger said, no. He says, don't do that, for I'm not worthy of you to come under my roof, but say the, just say the word, and my servant will be healed. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, I haven't found such faith even in Israel. And so the third thing is that, well, how do you get this faith? Where does this faith come from? Here's three verses. Number one, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Now hold that up there. This faith is a gift from God. So number one, we don't deserve it. Number two, it is a gift from God. Now you say, well, how do I get that gift? If, if I'm going to get this gift, do I wait? Do I, is it like Star Trek? Like on this stage is kind of a little, you know, little light pattern. Do I have to stand right here? Do I have to be down at the front of the church? Where do you get that gift of faith? Second verse, Romans chapter 12, verse, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so here's a second clue. Not only do we don't deserve it, now we know it's a gift, but it comes through hearing something. Hearing the word of Christ. When you hear the word of Christ, then you receive that gift. It's, it's all you have to do is hear. The great Charles Spurgeon, who uh, we have, we have uh, someone very close to me got his, that name Spurgeon as their middle name and wonders for years what that name meant. But the great Charles Spurgeon, maybe the greatest preacher in order, of the Christian faith since the Apostle Paul was basically uh, doubting and didn't know, have any idea of how to get faith and so he went to a, a church in a snowstorm and the preacher could not make it to the church service and there was just a handful of people there and so somebody volunteered and got up and read a text a farmer and just said those that look to him will live and Spurgeon said, it hit me at that moment that all I had to do was to look. All I had to do was to look. And in that looking, be attentive. And faith came to him in that moment. Nothing he deserved. Number three. Go to the next verse. 
Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, the great understanding for me, and I hope we all embrace this. In fact, why don't you stand together as we close on this. This is a helpful sign that we're closing here. Is that you and I get to be the conduit or the means that that gift comes to others. You see, God wants to give this gift to every person on the planet. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. It's His will according to Paul to Timothy that none perish and all come to the knowledge of the truth. But how do they get that knowledge? How do they get this gift? It's when they hear the Word of Christ through you or through me. And all they have to do in that moment, it's, it's really one of the greatest privileges of all of humanity to be able to speak to someone else and through you, that gift of faith comes to them. And I've watched this happen again and again. I texted uh, another person who used to be a part of this church and I said, I'm going to tell your story tonight. I hope you don't mind. He goes, oh, tell it, tell it, tell it. His wife chimed in. I texted them both. But I want you to look at this picture. This was a former Titan coach. He was our defensive coordinator. When he was in the NFL, this was the cover of Sports Illustrated asking the question, is he too vicious for the NFL? He got fined, I think it was $30,000 for, let me just put it without being indelicate. He, 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 he gave what I call the international sign for requesting prayer. When you raise the middle finger, that's, please pray for me. And he gave that on national television against the Pittsburgh Steelers, $30,000 fine. His wife, Carrie, came to this church and became a Christian, wrote a book about it. If you look up uh, Carrie Cecil, one Sunday, she t tells the story in kind of a, uh, a, very, a, a novel fashion of her experience through what happened when she came here as a Hollywood producer while her husband was a coach. So the husband would come around at times like this once a year and kind of sit in the back. And if he's watching tonight, he, you know, he kind of had a slow or low-level growl when you talk to him wasn't exactly a, hey man, how you doing? And so this thought came to me one day. I asked him, I said, Chuck, I said, we're going to go to Israel. Why don't you go with me? Go with us. I figured this kind, of, this kind of guy was probably so out there he would not want to go to a Bible study, but he might do something outlandish. And so he came. And as he went around Israel and the tour guide began to speak and we began to speak, you could hear the words that were being said to him were penetrating and you could just almost visibly see him changing before your eyes to the point to where we got around on the side of the Sea of Galilee where Jesus cast the demons into the pigs and that's where we baptized him and my friend Shlomo who has a water park there which means Solomon in Hebrew he was telling Chuck he goes this is where Jesus put the demon from the pig, from the sick man. And Chuck just said, that's what I need. I need all this out. When he came up out of the water, 
there was something just I'll put it to you this way when he got back to town one of the players uh, came up to Pastor James and said we thought he had a stroke because he wasn't cussing anymore he was visibly changed and I think so many, so many messages, so many, so many moments rather, are come to us thinking that the impossible can't happen. It can't happen to the person that's causing us the most pain. It can't happen in the worst person that we know. It can't happen in our situations. The closer you get, sometimes unbelief crowds you. And you begin to say, how can this be? But that same word that became flesh, every time a miracle happens, no miracle like the miracle of Jesus' birth. Nothing like that. But in a, in a way, there's an application. Every miracle that happens is the Word becoming flesh. The Word of the promise becoming flesh. Pastor James, on this day, on this night, Father, where we recognize the reality that the gospel is not a story, but it's it's fact you exist you created the heavens and the earth the heavens declare your glory science itself inexplicably stands at the the chasm of what natural laws can do and realize that there's something beyond nature that produced what we see the very information in our DNA speaks of an intelligent mind behind it all the moral code within us that lets us know whether we've ever read the Bible or not lets us know there is a good there is an evil there is justice and there's injustice and yet we don't just stop knowing there's a God there somewhere or some force but this God of eternity became a human in Christ and did live the life we should have lived, meaning that you live perfectly. No one could cast an aspersion or point a finger or make a claim against you. And then you died the death we should have died for breaking your laws. You did that in our place. And then three days later, you rose from the dead, proving you're the Son of God. Your resurrection from the dead verifies your identity. And you offer salvation forgiveness for everyone who can will turn and look to you and believe Lord may we tonight anyone in this room tonight any visitor any relative any person that has said you know I have stood on the brink of knowing this is true but I just haven't known how can this be how can I be changed how can I understand faith faith has come to you tonight because of what you've heard through the word just receive it like a gift just say yes like a gift thank you thank you God thank you for what you're doing across this room and Lord beyond us the people and the relatives and the friends that will hear the Word of God through us that we get to be the, the pipeline through which your heavenly gift comes that that free gift will come to them through us as we speak your word amen let's give God praise for that